Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Salutations and welcome to UFC Vegas 72 Thoughts and Comments. Uh, Now, long-time listeners would remember the Thoughts and Comments podcast. It's been ages. I've worked a lot of Sundays. Uh, I really want to do more Thoughts and Comments podcasts and ideally a preview podcast every week and a Thoughts and Comments. So here we are. I've been waiting for ages to put one out. And if you haven't heard a Thoughts and Comments podcast before, essentially for fights and fight nights or pay-per-views, I just watch the card. It's live reactions, but I try to break down, you know, what victories mean and where fighters could go uh, after this as well. But today, essentially to break down what's in store, uh, USC Vegas, 47? Fucking hell. Not 47. We're a fair way away from that. 72. Uh, so 47, I don't know where that came from. Just got a bit excited. But main event, it was originally going to be Armin Sakurian or Tiskurin. Uh, we'll just pass that. Uh, Tiskurin, no, we will pass that. Um, against Hanato Moicano, who we do know wants money. Uh, but this one, last weekend, the co-main event got moved to this main event. Ricky Simone, a fighter that I rate very highly, up against Song Yedong in the main event. And as far as where this card is at, I've just completed watching the prelims and about to dive into the main card, just having a look. Main card hasn't started yet. Uh, Only 11 fights on this card as well. So I've watched the prelims. I'll break that down in rapid form. Then for the main card, I'm going to go fight by fight. So I'll give a few thoughts before each fight and then some comments after. That's why it's called Thoughts and Comments. Uh, so about to kick off the main card with Josh Quinlan and Trey Waters. Uh, Josh Quinlan got busted for steroids after his Dana White Contender Series showing, but then he knocked out Jason Witt after serving his suspension and making his debut up against Trey Waters, who's had a couple of very remarkable comebacks at LFA level, uh, which is like a kind of just a step below. It's kind of where a lot of guys who come into the UFC, fight for LFA. I believe Mick Maynard uh, may be the promoter there. Uh, so LFA is like a, I don't know, if you watch wrestling or keep up with wrestling, like what WWE and NXT, like a feeder developmental system, that's kind of what LFA is. And Trey Waters, in a couple of his LFA fights, I believe he ended up winning the LFA title uh, in the welterweight division. But yeah, he got hands laid on him. He was kind of on the back foot both times, but then produced a huge finish to get the win. So Trey Waters, he might pull something hectic out here, uh, but Josh Quinlan, look, this is a guy, the failed drug test does kind of mar his career a little bit. It's something that I'm like, ah, because after his contender series showing, I was really keen to keep an eye on Josh Quinlan. And I still am, but yeah, it's just a bit of an asterisk, and it does throw up some question marks. Uh, But in the opening fight of the main card, I'm going with Josh Quinlan over Trey Waters. 
I didn't end up putting a preview podcast out this week, but pretty good because my prelims picks were pretty shit. I think I was, um, let me have a squeeze. I think that was not good. Um, one, two, two from five, two from five on the prelims. So not so great. Last weekend though, I was all right on the prelims, had a perfect main card. So I'm going to need something like that to save my ass here. So kicking off the main card, hoping to get my tips back in form. I've gone Josh Quinlan over Trey Waters by knockout. Now I'll run down the featured, uh, not the featured prelim rather, just the whole prelims in rapid form. And at the end of the podcast, I'll go through the performance highlights as well. Fight of the night, performances of the night, and a couple of other things. Uh, But before we get into the main card, I'll just quickly zip through the prelims. Jamie Lynn Horth over Haley Cohen by decision. Now this card started around 6.30 in the morning Australian time. And it's really fucking cold today. Looks like it's actually a beautiful day setting in. It's only 9 in the morning. Right now, uh, looks like it's going to be a beautiful day, but very cold to start. So given that it was 6.30 and it was cold, uh, I put the fight on, but I was kind of just waking up. Uh, Jamie Lynn Hawth, though, I picked her to win by decision, and she did. Just quietly, I'm really interested to see how Jamie Lynn Hawth goes at UFC level. Um, no, No one wanted to fight her leading up. She didn't really have a high activity of fights because no one was willing to fight her. Then in her UFC debut, she beats Haley Cohen, who I thought Haley had a pretty good performance as well, gave a good account of herself. Uh, but Jamie Lynn Horth gets the win by decision, moves forward. Then after that, a guy who took this fight on very short notice, Marcus McGee, known for his knockouts, comes in as the underdog and beats Journey Newson, who was originally slated to fight Brian Kelleher. Marcus McGee, Shakes things up big time, and I picked Journey Newson, but my vibe was that Marcus McGee was a real life chance at the knockout. Then he pulls out a submission, so that was huge. Underdog victory on short notice. MMA Labs Marcus McGee clearly works very hard and he stays ready. And off a win, well, that propels him forward immediately into the bantamweight division. Brian Kelleher. Journey Newson, it was going to be Kelleher's last fight on his contract, and Journey Newson, nowhere near the top 15. So, for the winner of that fight, they got to move forward. But for Marcus McGee to just jump the queue like that, I think he's immediately established himself in front of both of those guys. Now, I respect Brian Kelleher immensely, but given it's the last fight on his contract, if he does lose, maybe he doesn't re sign. So, Immediately, Marcus McGee shows that he's ready for this opportunity, and now he moves himself forward significantly in the bantamweight division, and he'll get a full camp in his next fight. And I think the matchmakers should reward this guy for so far what has been the performance of the night from an underdog, Marcus McGee, for Journey Newson and what that means for him. Uh, I don't know where he goes from here. Maybe another fight, I'm not sure where his contract is, but yeah, that that was not the result he needed. He hadn't been in great form anyway leading up to this, so yeah, unlucky. Unlucky for Journey Newson, but Marcus McGee, that was the best shit all prelims. I loved that. Now, I may have picked Journey Newson, but yeah, there's a new guy on the block. 
that I like and I'll have to pay more attention. I did the research, I did the tape, but I did that for Kelleher and Journey Newson, given that this was on short notice, so I didn't get to watch anything of Marcus McGee, unlike everyone else on this card. I like what I see. Marcus McGee, what a guy. Uh, let's just suss Josh Quinlan entering the octagon now, so they're about to start this main card opener. But yeah, Marcus McGee, that was dope shit. Rear naked choke in the second round. Uh, then a submission. Ronda Rousey, or the Russian Ronda, rather. Uh, Irina Alexeva. This was a huge surprise to me. Submit Stephanie Egger. Now a huge judo matchup here. Both highly credentialed. I expected Stephanie Egger to be a level above. And she was finished really easily, really quickly. First round submission, just over the two minute mark. But for Russian Ronda, she was four pounds over the limit for the women's band. Uh, was that women's bantamweight? I believe it was the women's bantamweight, that one. Uh, she was four pounds over the limit. And Daniel Cormier explained it well. He was like, those last four pounds are the worst to cut. So she came in with a significant advantage. Thus, whilst an impressive victory, uh, she gets the quick treatment. Because, yeah, you're four pounds overweight. I'm not going to celebrate that as a huge win. as a huge advantage. So really, you should be coming in and doing that. And if she hadn't missed weight, this would have been a massive win over Stephanie Egger. Uh, but Russian Ronda moves on. We've got the um, announcements for the main card fight. So two other fights. Cody Durden, 30-27 decision over Charles Johnson. Bit of a personal vibe in the lead up to the matchup, but nothing but respect afterwards. And Cody Durden, simply too good to break it down in quick terms. Um, just had an amazing game plan. Controlled Charles Johnson was going between wrestling and jiu-jitsu. And that's a massive win. Charles Johnson was on a tear. He's on that Cowboy Cerrone uh, kind of schedule, as the commentators said. And look, if Johnson had won his last two fights, he'd be propelling himself toward the title mix. But he was coming off a catchweight loss to Ode Osborne. Uh, and now Durden beats Charles Johnson. So I think Durden said it best. Now it's time to give him a ranked opponent. Uh, and then Martin Budai with a decision win over Jake Collier. Martin Budai on a great winning streak. Uh, and Jake Collier starting to produce some pretty entertaining fights, I must say. But it was Martin Budai who moved on, uh, thankfully, because I picked him in that fight. Uh, and yeah, he'll steadily move through the heavyweight division. There's another heavyweight banger coming up with one of my favorite guys, who's emerging, uh, but here we go, we're on, we're on in the main card, I can see Josh Quinlan early on, he's controlling the grappling, he has Trey Waters up against the cage, but this isn't a commentary session, so now, this is what Thoughts and Comments is all about, I'm going to sit down, watch the fight, and I'll come back afterwards with my thoughts, and break it down a little bit more for these main card fights, I've taken Josh Quinlan by knockout over Trey Waters, but I know this is going to be a thrilling fight either way, so I'm rushing to watch this. And, it, you know, someone could get knocked out by the time I finish speaking here. So that is how exciting this one is. Now there is nothing else to do but get amongst it. UFC Vegas 72 thoughts and comments.
Oh, hell yeah. Trey Waters, another underdog victory. And another guy stepping in to fight. And he only, I didn't realize, the LFA fight where he had another crazy comeback win was only a month ago. Trey Waters, 30-27 decision over Josh Quinlan, who Quinlan, definitely the heavy favorite in that one. Trey Waters, this guy's good. This guy's very good. Um, now, another pick wrong. Dolt. Um, but that, yeah, that's interesting. I always find as well, and I mean this as respectfully as possible, with Quinlan previously failing a drug test, um, and then even last time against Jason Witt, that fight had to get postponed because he had like traces of it, traces of it in his system. But I believe the way that works, and let me just preface by saying this, uh, I have a very low level knowledge of steroid use. Shock horror, I'm actually not on them. I know many people are like, surely you're on steroids. I'm like, bro, this is all natural. Um, but yeah, I just find that, yeah, when they do some crazy impressive shit, but then they get busted for drugs and then they come back. And oh, what I was going to say, when he had low levels of it in his system, Josh Quinlan, that could have been from years ago. So by all means, it seems like he was clean in that last fight where he knocked out Jason Witt. But I just find then it's like, yeah, once they are presumably all natural, sometimes it doesn't go as well. I think like Ottoman Azaita, who was sneaking potatoes into the apex and got in trouble a couple of years ago, he came back after, look, like it seems like he was on performance enhancing drugs, allegedly. I don't want anyone to press charges even though I don't think anyone like Odman Asaitar is listening. Uh, but then he fights like 100% clean because what happened after the potato incident was that he was getting tested all the time. Again, I actually don't know if that happened, but I'm pretty sure they would be testing him all the fucking time after that. And he got cut from the UFC. He didn't fight for ages. Then he comes back. Matt Frivola absolutely romps him. Uh, there's been other cases of it as well, like Lucas Bresky got a contender series contract um he got busted and then he's come out and yeah just looks like a shell of his former self so it's definitely something to be noted um but yeah josh quinlan definitely clean i would say here but yeah trey ward is just the better man and i don't think any of that comes into play with this fight so it wasn't really relevant to bring it up but it was just a note i've been making of like sometimes seeing guys tape and being like, wow, that is so impressive. Um, but then you kind of have to wipe, wipe the slate clean after a failed drug test and just go a lot off what you've seen recently, which jo uh, he was coming off a win over Jason Witt by knockout. Uh, but let's talk a minute for Trey Waters, former LFA welterweight champion, captured the belt just a month ago. And now here he is, UFC debut, comes in as the underdog, 30-27, so it wasn't even close in the judges' eyes. And as far as the fight itself, I thought it was the most entertaining of the night so far. Josh Quinlan is always a threat on the feet, so no matter what, at any point in the 15 minutes, Josh Quinlan is a fighter that is always going to be in the contest. Uh, but Trey Waters, this contest belonged to him, uh, just two guys, and it was up to who was the better fighter on the night, and it was Trey. Now, this is the second underdog victory like Marcus McGee of a guy who's come in on short notice, ready for the opportunity, and now these guys propel themselves forward. 
from fighting outside of the UFC to now not just being inside the UFC, but coming in on short notice, getting a win, you earn yourself some brownie points, and surely a good and fun matchup next. And given that we're seeing less and less Apex shows, I think both of these underdog victories, a logical step for them. It doesn't have to be moving them forward super far in the division. You can give them still someone that's, you know, not ranked and, you know, there's a lot of guys in the UFC fighting for positions. So I don't think you need to move someone like a Trey Waters or a Marcus McGee up too heavily in terms of opponent next. You could even give them someone, again, put them in the underdog position again and give them someone who's a real prospect on the rise. But I think with Trey Waters and also for Marcus McGee, what I would like to see is just give them a fight in front of fans. Fight night, pay-per-view, first fight of the night, doesn't matter. Just give them a fight in front of a crowd because I think they've definitely earned that coming in on short notice and beating opponents that already have some footing in their respective divisions. So very impressive statements from a couple of underdogs. I do wonder if there are some more underdog victories to come. Congratulations to Trey Waters on that win. And now we've got Marcus Rogerio de Lima, who, when you want to talk about the landscape of a division, he is right in the mix to now push into the top 15 against someone who I've been keeping a very close eye on every single time he's got up for me. Uh, I've backed him since Contender Series. That is Salsa Boy, Waldo Cortez Acosta. Now, I backed Waldo to win by knockout on Dana White's Contender Series. Then I had him over Jared Vandera. He won. Then I had him over Chase Sherman by decision, which were very juicy odds. And he won. So he's the underdog here, $2.50. I haven't been able to pick any underdogs really today, but... I hope Waldo gets up. He is the underdog here. Rogerio de Lima, when I think of the heavyweight division, there are definitely levels and tiers to the heavyweight division. There's the absolute top of the crop. Think John Jones, Stipe Miocic. Um, then there's like the level under. You'd have guys like Cyril Garn. Then there's a level under that of some guys who are looking like they can really push. Uh, now, I'd have Tom Aspinall. He could be somewhere up the top. He still looks like the goods. Uh, and then there's some very, again, respectfully, coming from someone who's never fought inside a cage. So I do mean this respectfully, but there are definitely lower tier UFC heavyweights as well, which I like because then, yeah, there are, I think, one guy who kind of gatekeeps that lower level, although he's a much higher level fighter, he's just on an age a bit more, is Andre Arlovsky. He's a great test for some of these guys who are trying to break out of that lower level where, you know, I think, like, again, respectfully, like a Jared Vandera or Chase Sherman, who are all super dangerous on their day, but just haven't been able to quite string it together. And Andre Arlovsky is a great test for guys to prove that they are a bit more than that. And he came out, he romped Ben Rothwell semi-recently in under a minute, and he absolutely blew through Andre Arlovsky. And they both trained at American Top Team, and he got over Andre Arlovsky decisively. Uh, so I was very impressed with Marco Rogerio de Lima, and he now finds himself in a position where a win here 
and he's probably looking at someone who's either ranked or right outside the rankings. And I haven't checked the heavyweight division's top 15. He might even get into the mix with a win right here. So this is a pivotal bout for an older fighter like Marcos Rogerio de Lima. I've actually gone Walder Salsa Boy Cortez Acosta by knockout. Not putting money on it, uh, but Waldo's just my boy. There are some fighters, guys and girls, who are either my guys or my girls. And Waldo Acosta, he is one of my guys. And this is a great test for one of my guys. So there is definitely bias in this pick, but this podcast, not so much about the picks, it's about the reaction to the fight. Uh, but what this means, I've said Rogerio, he's right outside that top 15. For Waldo Cortez Acosta, he's racking up some wins. He had a great career leading up to this. Then LFA, I believe, he was the heavyweight champion. And now, look, he's undefeated in the UFC. He's proved as well that he is beyond that kind of lower level tier of the heavyweight division. And now both guys match up at a great point in their careers. Now, we're about to get, I was going to say Bruce Buffer, I believe, it is Joe Martinez, always does a great job uh, doing the announcements anyway, but we're about to start this fight, is what I was going to say. So I'm picking Walder Cortez Acosta um, by knockout, maybe decision as well, like the main point is I'm going for Waldo here, but Marcos Rosario de Lima, he's a test man, even for some of these ranked guys, he has experience, he is a gun on the mat, he has powerful hands and look Waldo Cortez Acosta has shown some inexperience in his fights been targeted by leg kicks before this is going to be a fun one to get into with a heavyweight division contest I mean the first round always the funnest so I, I gotta get to this one I'll be back in a moment with my thoughts and comments continuing the main card action with Waldo Salsa Boy Cortez Acosta one of my boys up against a fearsome Brazilian in Marcos Rogério de Lima. This is going to be fireworks. I'll be back in a moment to wrap this one up. Luckily, I'm not betting on today because my tips have been fucking shite. My boy, my guy, Waldo, a Cortez Acosta, has a kryptonite. It's the leg kicks. It's the leg kicks. Congratulations to Marcus Peizal, uh, Rogerio de Lima, the Brazilian getting a 29 to 28 decision, had an excellent game plan that he executed to perfection uh, with the leg kicks. Just they proved too much for Cortez Acosta, who's proven that he's very durable. Uh, but Marcos, to his credit, he stayed with him. And Rogerio de Lima a hugely impressive performance. I had a look on Tapology, and he was ranked 16th worldwide, which isn't the UFC's official rankings, but it is a really good indication as to how close he is to the mark. Now, I also had a look at the rankings, the UFC's official top 15, Alexander Romanov, who's also one of my guys, coming off two losses against Alexander Volkov and Marcin Taibura. Uh, he could conceivably drop out. Like, Marcos Rosario de Lima is on a roll. That might be enough to break him into the rankings. If not, at the very least, he needs to have a ranked opponent next. So, massive win in the career of Marcos Rosario de Lima. 
He needs a ranked opponent next. If Romanov doesn't have a fight, if Romanov holds on to that 15th position, that could be a good fight. I think they may have already fought. Let me just live fact myself. Live fact checked myself. Uh, could have just said live fact myself. That kind of made sense. Uh, but let me just have a squeeze. And also quickly for Waldez Cortez Acosta, what I'd like to see next, maybe him versus Junior Tafa. Tafa coming off a loss as well against Mohamed Usman. Those two were originally supposed to fight. Kind of makes sense. Both coming off a loss. Uh, one of them could rebound with an exciting win. And if they get it around mid-year, Junior Tafa, if he gets a big win, then they could put him on the Australian card toward the back end of the year. And you can really start to create a star because there's big potential with Junior Tafa. And if Waldo Cortez Acosta wins that fight, you could put him against Justin Tafa after. Have a bit of storyline. Tafa, a fair bit ahead, probably, in terms of the rankings now. Uh, but still, you know, there's a lot of fun could be had. But I think, ultimately, I'd like to see what Waldo Cortez Acosta next uh, up against Junior Tafa. And I'm just going to check. I think Alexander Romanov may have already beaten Marcos Rosario de Lima. So maybe that'll be enough to hold on to that position. But Chris Dorcas, he's been on a losing slide as well. De Lima, I really think that probably warrants him breaking into the rankings. Ah, uh, yes. So a first round submission win over De Lima. Romanov holds. So Romanov maybe through the merit of that victory holds his position in the rankings, but given that win, Delima has to move forward at someone's expense. So it may end up being Romanov. Uh, I don't think they rematch that fight next then, but maybe Delima takes the spot and Romanov, he'll have to return to action and try to get that position in the rankings. Chris Dorcas, another one who could slide out, but given that Romanov's 15th, uh, that will be interesting to update the rankings. At the very worst, Delima needs a ranked opponent next. So massive win for the Brazilian. Now we move on to featherweight division action. Uh, Julian Juicy J Arosa up against, I think it's Fernando Padilla. I forgot his first name. It's Padilla is the last name. A pretty impressive young guy. Arosa has the tendency to get knocked out. A little bit chinny. Got knocked out in his last fight. Uh, but massive experience discrepancy. I know Arosa's game plan is to come in and be a bit more measured, not rush into the brawl, uh, which could, would, could work into his favor. Now for Padilla, uh, he has the opportunity to get a win over a really experienced guy and make a giant leap forward on debut in the featherweight division. Now I've taken Juicy J, Julian Arosa, to win this one by submission, but at this point I'm basically cursing these guys. Uh, and the challenge here for Padilla, look, if he wins in any fashion, very impressive, uh, but the window of opportunity is there to get the knockout victory. And if he does that, that is a huge statement. I believe we've only had one finish up to this point on the card. So massive chance to make a statement for both of these guys. Uh, it's bound to be an exciting fight. And yeah, I'll, I'll check back in after this one. Interested to see. And then we've got two massive middleweight fights coming up after that. And of course, the bantamweight headliner, top 10 action between Song Yadong and Ricky Simone. And the winner of that, it's not enough to earn a title shot, uh, but then they are one or two wins away from fighting for that belt. So huge opportunity. You have Song Yadong coming up 
off a loss against Corey Sandhagen, uh, who since has even further established himself as a potential next title challenger. And look, the bantamweight division, the most stacked in the UFC, in my opinion. There are other great divisions, but I think bantamweight, like the mix of level of activity and just how stacked the entire division is, uh, it makes for great, great watching. Uh, but we're sticking with the featherweight division here. Of course, ultimately run by Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. He'll be defending the belt against Yair Rodriguez. I believe that might be an international fight week, UFC 290. Uh, and we've got some featherweights here. Some fearsome ones throughout the division. Ilya Tapuria seems like he's making a run for that title shot. Uh, but where did these guys stand? Interesting to find out. Julian Arosa wants to get himself back in the mix, push back toward the top 15, and Padilla, well, he has the opportunity. Young Fernando, that's his first name. Got it right the first time. Uh, Fernando, what can he do? I've watched his tape. I've been impressed. I think he is a very live chance of winning this, but UFC is just a totally different beast. Julian Arosa has experienced that time after time. He's very comfortable in that UFC Apex arena, so it's going to be an interesting one. I'm going to tune in now. Just having a look. They're about to crick off. I was about to say Chris Toyoni, and I was about to say kick off, and I fucking shout the bed. Uh, but neither of these guys are going to shit the bed. I think it's going to be a fun fight. Still up for grabs as well. A few performance highlights. I'm looking for a couple of finishes before the night is done. And uh, of course, fight of the night. Still up for grabs. Right now, the heavyweight one. Excuse my fucking throat. The heavyweight one was right in there. Uh, but fun featherweight one. This is going to be explosive. They've just kicked off. So I'm going to jump in. Be back in a moment with my thoughts and comments. Holy mackerel. Very quick first round finish. So there'll be some controversy as well. Chris Toyani, who I mentioned just before, maybe early stoppage could have definitely been left to go a little bit longer, but Arosa has taken some bad knockouts. He was coming off a knockout. He's been knocked out several times and yeah, a little bit early, but at some point in there, I think it is fair to say he was knocked out. There was just a flurry of punches. Fernando Padilla came out early and impressed the hell out of me. Like I said, just what's he got at UFC level? Massive statement there. The last guy to beat Arosa and finish him like that was Alex Caceres, and he is right in the mix of the rankings. So Fernando Padilla, massive, massive win. It's unfortunate that some of the chat will be about the referee stoppage, but I just want to go into a classic saying here. It is what it is. It really is what it is. Um, so Chris Toyoni saw fit to stop it. He was actually there. I am chilling the fuck out. So I trust his judgment more. Arosa has been knocked out before. Just having a look at the replay. Oh, gets rocked. He gets wobbly. I think it could have definitely gone longer the fight. Just checking to see like if there's any like real clear knockout. Not really. Not really. It could have definitely gone longer, I will say that. But I also don't think that should mar the performance of Fernando Padilla here. I still think he's due full credit. If that goes another minute, he probably still finishes it. Although Arosa, he does have experience. 
and miles on the clock to prove uh, that he could bounce back. It was very early in the fight, uh, but look, on the positive for Erosa, he hasn't taken any further damage, and he'll get the chance to come back and respond, I'm sure. He's proven at UFC level, uh, but Fernando Padilla, let's focus on him for a moment. Huge statement win at 145 pounds. Uh, as for what's next for him, I reckon maybe they should match him up against someone who's quite durable. Not that Julian Arosa isn't, and whether they're experienced like Arosa, or whether they have a few less UFC fights under their belt. Maybe just someone like who hasn't been knocked out too many times, and someone who, kind of like a Waldo Cortez Acosta, where you kind of got to be prepared for the full 15 minutes. I think that would be a good test for Fernando Padilla, but I just said before, I was looking for some finishes to add to the performance highlights. Uh, there are some other things he's in contention for as well. Big performance. You couldn't ask for a better debut. And Fernando Padilla gets it done over Arosa. Of course, if you haven't seen the fight, big talking point will be the referee stoppage. And if I can summarize it, it is what it is. And what it is right now is Fernando Padilla picking up the victory and moving forward at 145, which is a division where there are threats in every single fight. He's passed his first test. I'm excited to see what is next. And yeah, this one, not the most controversial of all referee stoppages. And I will trust Chris Tyone's judgment. Uh, Arosa seemed to accept it as well. But let's not dwell on that. Let us now move in to... Two huge fights at 185 pounds, a division that has just been reclaimed by Israel Adesanya, and of course, Drikus Duplessis and Robe Whitaker taking each other on. Uh, I believe that one on the same card as Volk and Yair Rodriguez. Australian flavor and Kiwi flavor littered throughout the UFC 290 card. You've got Jalen the Tarantula Turner up against Dan Hooker as well. Uh, I believe Jack Madele uh, Della Maddalena and Sean Brady. That is going to be probably the card of the year. There are some banger cards ahead of us, uh, but we'll stick with UFC Vegas 72. And main event coming up in a couple of fights time. Two fights at middleweight first though. And which one is it first? It is Adolfo Vieira. Just an unbelievably credentialed Brazilian jiu-jitsu specialist an absolute master at his craft he's come into mma and mma of course there are so many other elements and one of them definitely cardio that he just hasn't seemed to be up for the full 15 minutes it's a huge huge weight cut for the guy cuts a lot of weight looks like a fucking statue uh, i i think it was john annick said this and i thought it was fucking hilarious uh, when Adolfo Vieira like walked into the octagon, he said, um, I'd just like to have that guy's body for one day. Just go to the beach. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's such a great way uh, to summarize it. But yeah, the man looks like a bloody Brazilian god. He looks fucking unbelievable. But the biggest fight, I don't know about you personally, the listener, but I feel like a lot of people would have the same memory. My main memory of Adolfo Vieira. He's had some unbelievable submission wins, had a loss against Chris Curtis, but the one that sticks out to me was the Anthony Fluffy Hernandez fight. 
uh, where he was the heavy favourite, was Vieira, and he gassed out quickly and got submitted by Fluffy Hernandez. And yeah, that one always sticks in my mind. And since then, like he manages his gas tank, but he's not at full tilt. So if he comes up against someone like Cody Brundage, his opponent tonight, who has that in them to have the full tilt, 15 minutes, high pace, that, that could really trouble Adolfo Vieira. Now, Cody Brundage, mixed run of late, uh, had a loss against Nick Maximov, uh, which Maximov was a guy that I was rooting for uh, at the time, uh, but then had huge finishes over Dolce Lungiambula and, of course, Trayson Gore, who's going up against Bo Nickel later on this year. Uh, and then Brundage, after some huge wins, he had a loss last time out. I'm trying to even remember what the loss was. I think he got finished. I can't remember that. Was it Michael Olizacek who's fighting next? Might have been Olizacek. Uh, don't fact check me on that one, but I'm pretty sure I watched the tape. My memory's just bloody shocking. Uh, but just checking, so they're about to make the walkout. Adolfo Vieira, Cody Brundage. Interesting fight. Both guys, a win here puts them forward in the landscape. This year they can continue to work forward toward the rankings. And the champion, Israel Adesanya, one note with 85, is right now they're looking to create stars. Because if Whitaker beats Duplessis, it makes, look, it just makes sense. Whitaker, Adesanya, I know he doesn't want to fight the same guys over and over. And I think given that Izzy does have such a high level of activity, he fights as many times as he can in a year, I think he deserves the right to be throwing new guys to keep it exciting for him. Uh, but Whitaker is just undeniable if he beats Duplessis. But the middleweight division, they are looking to create some stars. Uh, Brendan Allen, I think he just had another fight announced. I can't quite remember who it was up against. Uh, but Brendan Allen is someone who's starting to emerge. Sean Strickland still hasn't had a title fight. And he's taking on an unranked opponent in a main event next in Albus Magomedov. Uh, you've got a few other fights as well. But Cannoneer Vittori is an interesting one too. Uh, but ultimately, they want to create new stars for Az uh, Adesanya to face if he's the champion. Even for Whitaker Duplessis, you want to be creating new stars all the time. And there are four middleweights coming up right now. Uh, it's not a fatal four-way, so it's two different fights. Um, but yeah, this is a big chance for these guys to move forward in a division that are craving some potential new challenges. Now, let's say, for instance, Adesanya stays the champion. Adolfo Vieira, over five rounds, right now, Izzy is just on a totally different level. But in terms of the ground game, Adolfo Vieira poses a huge threat. So I think a submission win for him here is what moves him closer to that next level. My biggest watch in this fight, and I've taken Vieira to win by submission, is his cardio. How does he go over the full five rounds? Ah, oh, fucking three rounds, not five rounds. Getting too ahead of myself here. Um, but against someone like Cody Brundage, who'll be looking to finish the fight himself, Brundage will push the pace, and traditionally that will work out in favor of the jiu-jitsu guy. Uh, so Vieira, I expect, if the pace is being pushed too much, uh, with Brundage looking to just force an error, I think uh, Adolfo Vieira will get the takedown and really get stuck into his work. Um, but two middleweight fights coming up, 
And as I've outlined, huge chance for these guys. Division is looking for guys. And it's probably not going to come for any of the four guys tonight. It's probably not going to come this year. But there is a chunk of this year to go. If you can be like the champion, Israel Adesanya, fight another two times this year after getting a victory tonight, then all of a sudden, 2024, you are firmly in the mix. So as far as the middleweight division, these fights to the naked eye may seem unassuming, but they are very important. And it's chance. Cody Brundage, he hasn't quite looked like there's just levels to the game. And where the champions and top guys are, are a different level uh, to Brundage and Vieira. But in terms of jiu-jitsu, Vieira is at the top level. So Brundage beats him. It's just massive for the division. They're looking for stars. The rankings is going to be as competitive as ever. Because I find whenever there's something like this, and it's like, oh shit, there's no one new for Adesanya to face right now, because he'd probably be ready to back up and fight sooner. Uh, but they're going Duplessis and Whitaker. Uh, so there's time, and there's a chance for some of these middleweights to make a run forward. Huge chance. Let's get into this fight. Uh, we've got Vieira making the walkout now. Brundage looking to spoil the party. I've gone Vieira by submission. My picks have been fucking awful though. Uh, but what I'm most excited for is to break down how this fight goes. I'm expecting a finish. How is Vieira going to hold up with his strength and conditioning? And Cody Brundage, the one who I've probably glossed over a bit more, uh, a 28-year-old. So in terms of his age, in terms of the division as a whole, time is on his side here. A win would be massive. I'll be back in a moment with my thoughts and comments Adolfo Vieira up against Cody Brundage. That was fun for as long as it lasted. Adolfo Vieira, you'd have to say, coming back, uh, gets a submission win over, I believe it was an arm triangle choke, up against Cody Brundage. And Brundage, I think he won the first round. There were points where Vieira had control, and clearly in the grappling, he was going to have an edge. Uh, but Brundage scored a huge knockdown, absolutely rocked Vieira, and he had potential to really damage Adolfo on the feet. But then we go into the second round and Vieira much faster into the grappling exchanges. Brundage, he actually ends up getting his arms around the neck of Vieira, gets him down to the ground with a guillotine, but it just wasn't tight enough. And as soon as he lost control, uh, that was it. Vieira, he was just too skilled on the ground. All right, someone in the house is having a shower. Uh... So there's a bit of music. I'm just gonna try to bang the rest of this fight out quickly. Uh, yeah, Vieira just too too good in the grappling department. Gets the submission win. And like I said, division looking for new stars. Vieira re-establishes himself at 185. Next up, we've got another one, Caio Baralho, Michael Olazacek. Uh Baralho, I've picked him, but my picks have been so shit. And I'm gonna jump into that one now because yeah, this is not the most ideal music or noises to have when talking about fighting. I think it's like a love song or something, so just different vibes, but I'll let, the, uh, let her have a shower. I will get into the fucking fight. Uh, I'm going Caio Borello 
over Michael Olazacek by submission. But yeah, my picks have sucked. I think this is my worst of all time. Oh no, Vieira got the submission. I don't know. This is up there with my worst. But I'm going Caio Borrello by submission. I just think he has a very well-rounded game. Uh, Jiu-Jitsu and stand-up. And Michael Olazacek at times just a bit one-dimensional. Although he possesses crazy knockout power. Going to be a fun one. Caio Borrello and Michael Olazacek in the co-main event. Uh, there is a shower going on, so I'll let that take place. I'll let the fight take place. And then I'll tune in shortly with my thoughts on the co-main event. And if it's like a 50-minute shower out of nowhere, then if, I w if the main event happens, I'll watch that as well and just come back with full thoughts. Uh, but we'll see how we go. I'll just I'll fucking see you when I see you. But yeah, massive co-main event up next. And stick around. Alright, so co-main event down. It's done. Caio Barallo getting his first finish at UFC level. This guy is seriously impressive. Second round submission after weathering an early storm from the Polishman in Michael Olazacek. But I want to use the time I'm speaking here to talk about Baralho. This guy is next level. I think he has all the tools. Now, he's not an elite level striker, but he's very, very high level striker. Unbelievably talented in the grappling realm. He proved that with the submission over Olazacek here. Co-main event, huge slot. And as I've been speaking about, 185 is looking for stars. And out of all these guys in the mix, especially tonight, Caio Barolo is the most ready. I think after this win, he should be in the rankings, but I do wonder whether they'll make that move. He's called for Derek Brunson. Uh, I believe if Brunson's down, make that fight. Give Barolo what he wants. If Brunson loses, look, he's talked about retirement. He's probably in the last couple of fights of his career, so maybe he looks for a bigger name opponent. But on merit, Caio Borrello has truly earned the fight. He's definitely got to be fighting someone ranked next. But I'd like to see Brunson. If Brunson loses, that's probably it for him. I think he'll comfortably retire. Love Derek Brunson as well. Uh, but Borrello, he can, if he wins that, then boom. He's immediately within the rankings, a star and pushing toward a title shot. And that's the trajectory he's on. He has not taken an easy fight. And the Brazilian has impressed me a ton. Uh, so, excuse me, fucking hell, I just had some spicy hot tenders. They were good. Warmed me up on this cold day. Uh, but, yeah, we're about to head into the main event now. Caio Borrello, Derek Brunson, I say make that fight. Uh, but let's speak a little bit about this main event. Ricky Simone, Song Yadong, uh, squaring off top 10 action. And as I've spoken about, the division absolutely stacked. My pick's getting back on track now. Uh, I went with Simone by decision. I really think Ricky Simone, he's on a trajectory where a title shot could be in his immediate future. So I don't think winner of this gets a title shot, but like they're right in there. So this is a very important matchup, hence why it gets the main event status. Of course, it's supposed to be co-main event last weekend. So both these guys realistically preparing for a three round fight. Now they have to adjust to a five round. I like Ricky Simone a lot. That's why I'm going with him here. But Song Yadong is tough and has hands that can really potentially trouble Simone and could put him out. Now Song Yadong, given his toughness, I like Simone in the fight. 
but I think Song Yudong is going to be too durable to put away. I've gone Ricky Simone uh, by decision. So now there's nothing else to do but get amongst it to jump straight into this fight and I'll be back at the end of our Vegas 72 main event bantamweight action between Ricky Simone and Song Yudong. Let's find out who wins, shall we? I had a few questions going into this card, plenty of them answered, but there is one more question that needs answering. Which of these men moves forward at a stacked 135 division? We're about to find out. Uh, I'm going to soak in the walkouts, everything pre-fight, and come back with the result. Thoughts and comments. Uh, lastly, finishing off, of course, with the performance highlights. So I'll go through my fight of the night, performances of the night, and a couple of other things. And of course, if you enjoy today's podcast, don't forget to follow us over on Instagram at not just a sports report. But let's now jump into the main event and I'll be back in a moment with my thoughts and comments. Okay, wow. Song Yadong, five rounds of absolute brilliance, gets the knockout finish over Ricky Simone in the fifth round. Uh, early on in the final round, Song Yadong getting it done. Unbelievable. Not just a unanimous decision that would have awaited him had it gone another five minutes, uh, but Song Yadong earns the finish after the fight. A call out of Sean O'Malley, I don't think they'll do that one, or Cheeto Vera, which I'll talk about shortly. Uh, but to summarize the main event, first couple of rounds were close, but honestly, I think Song Yudong won all four rounds leading into the fifth. It was just clear-cut domination. Ricky Simone couldn't really trouble Song on the feet, whereas the Chinaman, uh, I can still say that in 2023, he's a Chinese man, Chinaman, uh, or Chinese man, gee whiz, kind of fucking put a put a stop to things. Uh, but the Chinaman, Song Yudong, uh, he had just had his hands going. He had complete confidence in his abilities. He was just flowing in the cage. Looked like he was having a good time. Did not look stressed at all. The moment didn't get to him. Uh, and it was just a masterclass. An absolute masterclass from Song Yudong in the main event. And I'll speak about um, what's next for Song Yudong, in my opinion, when I go through the performance highlights to finish the podcast. Because in the fight to make next section... Uh, I have a fight potentially to make next for Song Yudong. Of course, he did call out Sugar Sean and Cheeto Vera, uh, who he's fought before. Beat him, uh, but controversial kind of circumstances. Some people didn't agree with that decision. Uh, so I'll talk about Song Yudong and what's up next in a moment. Uh, but to summarize the main event, I mean, that was just domination. And after losing to Sandhagen and losing a bit of that momentum that he'd built up, now Song Yudong has really re-established himself as a force in the bantamweight division. Now as far as the division as a whole, next weekend's main event, UFC 288, uh, or 288 I guess, could have said that, uh, Henry Cejudo making his return, a former champion who never lost the belt, up against the current champion in Aljamain Sterling. So we have to see what happens there before we get more answers as to what's next for the division as a whole. I think they may go Sean O'Malley title fight uh, against the winner. And Mirab Davashvili, he is just bound to get a title shot. But of course, the nature of his friendship 
with Aljamain Sterling. Then there's talk of Sterling maybe moving up to 145. And the timing, when does this happen? A lot of that, I think, rides on the result of the Cejudo fight as well, which is why this is a wait and see. But I think potentially Sandhagen up against Mirab Devalshvili. Then you have Piotr Jan, who, despite a run of losses, who knows, he could still be very relevant if he can pick up a couple of big wins. Maybe we even see Song Yudong up against Piotr Jan. Uh, but tonight, it belonged to Song Yudong, a decisive win that I think earns him a top five opponent next up. And for Ricky Simone, disappointing, uh, but a lesson. He's still got plenty of time to make a run. And given the nature of the bantamweight division, how competitive it is and how stacked it is, still an admirable showing. It just seemed like Song Yudong was a level above in this fight. Winning every round. Now, I didn't check the judges' scorecards, but the way I was seeing it, I mean, if I wasn't breaking it down round by round, Song Yudong clearly was winning the fight throughout the entire contest. So, it's as decisive, 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 gee whiz, wheels are falling off at the end here. Uh, decisive victory. Even got the finish. Even earned the finish. So Song Yudong, a massive way to finish off UFC Vegas 72. We've got a pay-per-view next weekend, and I've also got the day off. So thoughts and comments will be back. That's my favorite time for thoughts and comments uh, are the pay-per-views. It's a really fun one. So stay tuned for that. But we've gone through all the fights on the Vegas 72 card. Biggest point, of course, Song Yudong getting the win in the main event. Uh, but now... We'll finish off with the performance highlights, fight of the night, uh, performances of the night, things like that, and then we'll call it a day. Thanks for listening, and now let's finish off with the UFC Vegas 72 performance highlights. As always, if you want a refresher on the performance highlights for this card, it's going to be up on our Instagram at not just a sports report. So you can check that out. Great way to support the podcast over on Instagram at not just a sports report. Got some real fun things in the works too. So stay tuned for that. But let's finish off now with the performance highlights and then we'll look forward to some of the fun stuff coming up with UFC next weekend. Uh, but performances of the night, I went Song Yadong knockout. Uh, just that whole fight in general was immensely impressive, but to get the finish over somebody the caliber of Ricky Simone, that's a top 10 bantamweight right now, uh, and I just thought Song Yudong, overall, amazing performance, that was the knockout of the night, Song Yudong, performance of the night, Kaio Baralho, performance of the night, submission, uh, forcing Michael Olazacek to tap out, Kaio Baralho, this guy is the real deal, no doubt. Uh, my last performance of the night, Look, Rodolfo or Rodolfo Vieira, unlucky to miss out here, but I went Marcus McGee, just given the short nature of his bout and the fact that he agrees to it, comes in, earns the first submission win of his professional career over Journey Newson, a guy who, a bit of a journeyman, I guess you could say, funny that his name is Journey, um, but yeah, Marcus McGee just showed up, put on one hell of a performance, and I like this guy, I like what he's about, in the post-fight, this guy's ready. This guy's ready. So that was a performance of the night submission for Marcus McGee. 
fight of the night, I picked the main event. There were no fights that were like unbelievable bangers where I'm like, you have to go back and watch this. But the performance from Song Yedong in the main event, that's definitely worth going back and having a look at. And overall, given the stakes and the nature of the main event, I just thought that was the fight of the night. Song Yedong up against Ricky Simone. Speaking of Song Yedong, which I have been quite a bit, given the nature of how much he impressed in that main event, uh, elite contender. So I've got elite contender, top prospect, one to watch. Elite contender is a guy who's not getting the next title shot, but in the mix, you know, to get really work toward getting a title shot. Uh, the last elite contender, just to give you reference, was Erin Blanchfield. She's not getting the next title shot, but could be a future champion. And the same can be said for Song Yedong. Who knows how far this guy can go. He's my elite contender from this card. My talking point was that business is picking up in the middleweight division. Uh, Adolfo Vieira, a huge win. Now he's definitely in the conversation. Uh, you've got Caio Baralho, a callout of Derek Brunson. The middleweight division is looking for stars. Sean Strickland, Abus Magomedov, uh, Kelvin Gastelum back in the winner's column, Brandon Allen. There's potential, and now it seems like there's going to be some pretty pacey, high-pacey matchmaking. Like, they're going to put some ones together quite quickly, and we're going to see some guys over the rest of this year uh, really make a name for themselves. And I think heading into 2024, we are going to have a stack of new contenders at 185 pounds. So that's my main talking point. Our top prospect, Caio Baralho. Uh, this guy, what he can do is phenomenal, and I have belief that he can go very far. I think he can trouble a lot of the guys that are in that top 15 right now, has elite stand-up, and he's only getting better. He's starting to show that he wants to earn finishes as well, stoppage intent, not just looking to outpoint fighters. He's got unbelievable jiu-jitsu. His strength of competition uh, in the UFC so far has been remarkable. And to come off Dana White's contender series and perform the way he has, he's a top prospect. There is no doubt about that. He deserves a ranked opponent next. And I think it's only a matter of time before we see this guy with a number next to his name. Top prospect, Caio Baralho. How good is the free spirit neck tattoo as well? Uh, and one to watch. Someone who, not quite a top prospect yet, but definitely one to keep an eye on. Uh, and not just one to watch going forward, but also one to watch in terms of tuning in to see them fight. Because he's a very exciting fighter. He does not like to leave it to the judges. My one to watch from today's card, Marcus McGee. Stepping in on short notice as an underdog, achieving the first submission win of his career. Uh, all the rest of his wins by knockout. This guy is one that I'm definitely going to be watching next time he fights. And he's one going forward to keep an eye on. I think to do what he did on short notice, very impressive. Let's see what this guy can do with a full camp. One to watch, Marcus McGee. And finally, to finish today's podcast, uh, the fight to make next. Song Yudong, he called out Sean O'Malley. That is a possibility, but I feel like he's closer to a title shot or someone else who's ranked a little bit higher than Song Yudong. Uh, but the call-out of Cheeto Vera, I think that makes total sense. Both of them coming off a loss to Corey Sandhagen. 
Uh, and now Song Yedong picking up an important win. Cheeto before that lost to Corey. I mean, if he had won there, he could have been next in line for a title shot. Uh, so that would be a very relevant matchup in the division. I like the call out. Uh, Cheeto, I'm sure, would want to get that one back and have a decisive winner the second time round. So fight to make Cheeto Vera up against Song Yedong. And that is it. That's the podcast. We've wrapped it in an hour. Tried to make it nice and listener friendly. Not too long. Uh, And yeah, now we look forward to UFC 288. And if you want to stay tuned with my UFC content, coming up this week, a bit later during the week, I'm going to be releasing the UFC 288 Predictions podcast. Going to go through all my picks and give a bit of a preview for each of the fights. Uh, Hopefully my picks are better than today. Pay-per-views are usually my specialty, but yeah, today was pretty shocking. So not a great advertisement for the tips, but still there'll be a preview as well. We'll go through the picks and then thoughts and comments this time next weekend. I'll be giving a live reaction to everything unfolding across the UFC 288 card. Headlined, of course, just like today's card by bantamweight action. Uh, But this time around, a belt is at stake. Aljamain Sterling and the returning Henry Cejudo looking for a huge moment in his fighting legacy. A lot across that card as well in terms of fights to get excited about. And I'll be breaking it down all across the next week. Uh, But that is it for the UFC Vegas 72 coverage. It's been a fun weekend of fights. And now we look forward to next weekend. Thank you for listening and enjoy the week ahead. We'll get amongst some great fights this time on Sunday in Australia. I'm droning on. Let's cut it. Let's cut this. Cut it off. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.